Welcome, everybody, to Encounter Church. Hey, if you're worshiping together as a family, this is a great time right now to hit pause. Go ahead to EncounterChurch.org and get your kids all set on their own content that we've made, especially with them in mind. So we've created all this for kids of all ages. Again, EncounterChurch.org, you can find that there. Hey, next week we start a brand new series at church called uh, Christmas Comes Close. This series is all about learning and worshiping the God who draws near in a socially distanced world. It's going to be a perfect opportunity to share that uh, encouragement and the hope that you have with some of your friends and neighbors who badly need to hear that this December and this Christmas season. Today we finish off the series your future self will thank you. And if, if you've been around for a little while uh, and you've been tracking with us, you know that two weeks ago we started off the series and we simply said that, listen, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And God actually wants you to know what that purpose and plan is even more than you do. And that's the reason why he gave us two things. He gave us a couple of weeks ago the, his sovereign will. Uh, the Bible, stories of God unfolding, unveiling his sovereign will a bit at a time so that we can get a sense for his heart. And he also gave us his moral will, the list of uh, do this and don't do that and it'll go well for you. And we said that once you become familiar with God's sovereign will and the more obedient you become in God's moral will, the easier it is to know the ins and outs, the easier it is to uncover God's personal will in your life. Uh, those decisions that you have to make on a day-to-day -day basis. But today, today is a response for many of you uh, who had the comment and who had the insight. Yeah, that might work if I had like years to develop this. If I had years, then I could learn and study in God's word. If I had years, I could figure out how this obedience thing works and, and then it become easier. But what, what do you do? How do you make a decision when every minute counts? How do, I have to, how do I go about discerning God's will? How do I go about making a wise choice when every moment matters? Now, you've got some of those decisions that you have to make. Maybe it's, a, it's about taking a job. Uh, You've you got to get back to them tomorrow, though, right? Maybe it's a decision about whether to enter into a relationship, and they're waiting for you to text them back, right? Every minute, every moment counts. So what do you do? And in God's unbelievable wisdom, he gave us a way to uncover and to discover what his will is when every moment counts. But I don't just want to tell you what that strategy is or what that system is. I want to show you even better where that is. So if you would jump on over to the book of First Kings chapter 12. In First Kings chapter 12, that's the story that we're going to hang out here for a little while. And I want to set it up a little bit before we jump in. Um, the story set up is that the nation of Israel had uh, three kings already, King Saul, King David, and then King Solomon. And now we get to King Solomon's son, which is Rehoboam, is just about to, to take the throne. And this is the story about how he comes into power in Israel. And what we've got to know is that like is that this nation of Israel was like being held together with duct tape. I mean, this is a faction that's a pulling apart and the seams are showing. David, King David, had this way of like, of like holding them to like melding these factions together. And then Solomon, through the wisdom of the people around him, kind of like kept it together for another generation. And now Rehoboam comes. And the big question on everybody's mind is, how is this guy going to keep our nation together? 
And so Rehoboam has these questions on his mind when he takes over the throne. And that's what we see in 1 Kings chapter 12. And we start off in verse 4. Where the people come up to Rehoboam and they say, Your father, that's Solomon, your father put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Now, all of those stories about Solomon and, and, and his splendor, all the stories that we hear about Solomon and the, and the lavish life of luxury that he lived, apparently that came at a cost. Apparently that came at the cost of, of the people. That he raised the money for the cedar inlay and the gold plating for his temple. He raised that money from the taxes on the people. He was able to build these magnificent structures because of the labor of the people. And they were paying attention. And so when Solomon died and his son Rehoboam is just about to take over, this is the request that they have to make. He said, listen, your dad was so hard on us. And he taxed us so heavily. Listen, if you just pull off from the gas just a little bit, listen, we are going to be with you all the way. So what do you do? I mean, if it seems obvious, and like, well, give the people what they want. I mean, obvious. Pay attention to another fact. People don't retire from kingship. This is not like you put in your 30 years, they give you a gold watch, and you hang out in Florida for the rest of the time that God gives you. You don't retire from kingship. You die in office. And sometimes that moment comes earlier than others, particularly if you're seen as a weak king. And Rehoboam doesn't want to be seen as a weak king. So what does he do? Give the people what they want and potentially be seen as a weak king or do the opposite and potentially have this, this nation fractured apart? This is, this is why this story is so important for any of you who are looking to make a decision. When every moment counts, he only has a little while. And whatever he does, I think is going to be helpful to you in whatever decision you have coming up. And so he does something incredibly wise, just right off the bat. Before he even gives an answer to the people, he does this. He asks for a little more time. Specifically, verse 5, Rehoboam answered, Go away. For three days and then come back to me. Listen, church, sleep on it. It's almost always improved. The situation is almost always better when you have the perspective of a good night's rest. And that's what he does. I've had so many times where I've gotten an email and I'm like, well, I need to respond to this one right away. It's really, really heavy. And I'll write up an email, except for I won't hit send to the person. I won't reply back. I'll forward it to me. So I read it the next day and I almost always change it. Sleep on it. It's so wise. Okay. Um, go away. Three days. So the people went away. Verse six. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who served his father, Solomon, during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. And they replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer. They will always be your servants. So the, the wisdom that he gives is, is to look at the elders who serve Solomon. Somehow, somehow Solomon was able to keep this nation together. And, and he didn't have the, the legendary status that his dad David did. He wasn't a warrior king like his father David. All he had was wisdom. And yet wisdom was enough to like hold this nation together. And so the wisdom that Rehoboam does is he asks, 
He goes to the elders. He goes to the people who served his father, Solomon, and said, what do you, you guys actually did this for a generation. What do you have for me? What should I do? I think that's so incredibly important for us as we think about making a decision when every moment counts. And you're going, I don't have time to familiarize myself with every story in the Bible to know God's sovereign will. I don't have time to cultivate a life of obedience. Dirk, I'll do that later when I get a chance. But what do I do right now when I don't have the wisdom accumulated over decades of following Jesus? And what we learn from the story is you borrow it. You can borrow someone else's wisdom. You don't even have to have your own wisdom. You can go up to somebody else and just ask if you can have some of their wisdom for a little bit. If you just sit down in front of them and just look at them square in the face and say, listen, I've got a situation. Can you give me your wisdom? Or today we'll say, can I have your advice on a matter? so important to borrow somebody else's wisdom, especially when you go to somebody who's earned the right to give it, like they have. I mean, what they did was impressive in keeping that nation together. They were a good group of people to borrow wisdom from, people who've actually been there and done that. He gets the wisdom, but, but there's a but. But, verse 8, but Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. And he asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father has put on us? Verse 10, the young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, this is what the friends say. The friends say, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Scorpions was a euphemism for a little, like a whip, but with nails tied onto the end of it. Infinitely worse, as, as, as awful as that could possibly sound. The measure... My lightest measure is going to be heavier than the heaviest yoke that my father put on you. That's, that's the wisdom of the friends that come down. Verse 12. So three days later, Jeroboam. You remember Jeroboam? If you were paying attention to the story previous, at another time, Jeroboam was a guy who was leading this, this, this warring faction of the northern kingdom of Israel. And, and Solomon heard what was happening in this uprising. And so Solomon started threatening him and Jeroboam had to flee. So he was exiled over to Egypt, but he didn't totally go away. Three days later, after the time was up, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. Okay, what's the answer going to be? And the king said, come back to me in three days, verse 13. We get the answer. The king answered the people harshly rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the what? Of the young men. 
and said, my father, he quotes him verbatim, my father made your yoke heavy, I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips, I will scourge you with scorpions. Listen, he listens to the advice of the young men. It's like a spoiler alert. It's not going to turn out very well for him. Uh, but before we get to that, that point, at least he asks. Rehoboam, he asks. I want you, I want you to do a, a favor for me here. Just in your own mind, you don't have to tell anybody. Or if you want to, share it with the person you're watching this with next. If they're a trusted person in your life, but you don't have to. It's just think to yourself what, what the last bad decision that you made was. It's even more fun to think about the last bad decision you saw someone else make. And you knew, now with perspective, it was universally known as a bad decision. And think about the question. Um, how many people did they ask on the advice of before they made that bad decision? You know somebody who made a bad decision. Listen, let me ask you. Before they invested, before they jumped into the relationship, before they sold the house or bought the house, before they moved, before they quit their job, before they quit their anything, how many people did they ask for advice of? How many people did they try to borrow the wisdom from before making that decision? I mean, personally, I look back at my life and some of the bad decisions that I made and I can look back and say with almost certainty that all of them, but just for the argument's sake, I'll say 90% of them could have been avoided if I had just asked for some perspective, if I had just asked to borrow someone else's, one other person's wisdom. All of this hurt, all of this bad decision-making could have been avoided if I just asked one or two other people, one or two other groups what they thought I could have been spared from all of it. And the answer that sometimes people give beyond that is like, listen, I, I, I may not have asked any, anybody else because, well, because honestly, I didn't want somebody to have the potential of saying, I told you so, if I didn't take the advice. Or, you know, I didn't ask somebody else because I, I didn't want to put myself out there and tell them what, what I was really thinking about. I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to seem like I didn't know somebody or I was vulnerable. I didn't have all the facts or something. I didn't ask, but I prayed on it. You know, I didn't ask anybody else, but I lifted it up to God and said, God, what do you think about it? Listen, I'm telling you that God is telling you to ask somebody else. That's why he put people in your life. That's why Jesus, even in his ministry, he never sent the disciples out all by themselves. And mostly sent them out two by two so they would have someone else at all times. That's why he had 12 disciples. Because life wasn't meant to be done in isolation. Life was meant to be done in community. We do life together. And this is the huge advantage that you have as a follower of Jesus that so many other people don't have. That You have a collection of people called the church. You have people that are so entirely committed to you that they're ready to let you borrow their wisdom free of charge. We call this a church. We call this a, a small group. A group that you can get into and do life together. And they might not all be like you. They may not all be in the same stage of life as you are in, but that's even better because they have perspective or you have perspective 
for them. This is a prayer. I would love for you to offer this one up. Is that in your time when you need to make a decision and every moment counts, think about offering up this prayer. God, speak to me through the people around me. And if you're really, really brave, you can offer up an even more risky prayer. God, speak to me through those in authority over me. Because that's another one that we bristle at the thought. Rehoboam bristles at the thought of somebody older than him or somebody who has been around longer than him, who had authority over him when he was a young kid, now offering their wisdom, their insights, their advice to him. He just, he, he couldn't do it. And so being, being set up with these two contrasting views and being offered these two sets of wisdom, he makes a decision. Now, like I said before, spoiler alert, it doesn't turn out well. How do we know, how do we know that? How, how could he have known that? How can we know whether or not the wisdom that we're borrowing is good wisdom that we should be borrowing in the first place? Two reasons, uh, two insights, uh, clues that God gives us in the story that we, both, that we, that we just read about. Uh, when we're looking for wisdom to borrow, we, we do so from a group that exemplifies uh, two ways, uh, like here. Uh, number one, the group has earned the right to give it. And number two, they have some sense of objectivity to offer it. Uh, the first one about earning the right to give it, uh, because we have one of the groups is called the young men. The other group is called the elders. And so you think like, well, elders are older, and so, uh, and so of course they're going to have like, like better wisdom. Maybe. I mean, there is like a perspective thing there. But this isn't like, Something to just set up like uh, you know, boomers against millennials, which I can't stand when people do that, like pit groups of people against each other. That's not what we're about. This isn't necessarily just an age thing. It is a resume thing. The elders, they did the job that Rehoboam is trying to do. So there's like that wisdom. But there's something else. There's something else included. And, and to know that, you got to know a little bit about the language that's used in the telling of this story. You see, there's the elders, and that means what you think it is. It's a group of people that are older than Rehoboam. Rehoboam is 41 years old. Uh, Solomon was in his 60s when he passed. Presumably, the advisors for him were somewhere in that area in the 60s. But the real clue that we're given is the young men that were advising Rehoboam, it says that Rehoboam grew up with them. So presumably, they're also in their 40s. The word young men that's used here is a word that's used elsewhere to describe a child in between the ages of 5 and 15. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time you heard a group of men in their 40s being referred to as 5-year-olds or even 15-year-olds? It's not so much that they were 5 or 15, it's not so much that they were children. We know that they weren't. They grew up with Rehoboam. It's not that they were children. It's they were acting childish. And that's what I'm saying. A group that has earned the right to let you borrow their wisdom. That's the group that you want to pay attention to. Because they don't act like children like Rehoboam's friends did. He should have seen this coming. Chances are you can look around your friend group or you can look around your wisdom group, whoever we, they might be, 
And just ask, like, would other people call them childish? Would I want to end up in the life that they're now currently living? If not, listen, whatever good advice you think they have, don't take it. Take the advice from a group has earned the right to give it. Uh, second group, uh, the objectivity. Th- this word serve is so important. It, it, it comes up so many times. Um, it comes up nine times in eight verses. Serve, serve, serve. Who did the young men serve? The old men, the, the elders served Solomon and the kingdom that they were able to hold together. The young men served exclusively the friend, Rehoboam. I just think this is so important for somebody watching in that, that to them, their friendship was more important than their friend. I just, I just think of somebody who's like ready to jump into that relationship and they've waited out and it's a good person and they're thinking about asking him out and they comes, you know, should, should I ask her out? And, and the friend says, don't do it, man. Listen, we don't want that. I don't want that for you. Don't do it. Why? If you ask her out, you're going to go out with her. That's the idea, pal. <laughs> you ask her out. You go out with her. You go out regularly. It works. You start hanging out every weekend. I lose a friend. And suddenly you can start to tell that to that person, the, the friendship was more important than the friend. You don't want that. You want to go to somebody to offer that advice, to receive, to borrow that wisdom where you are more important than the friendship. And that's that objectivity that we talked about. Earn the right to give it and objectivity to offer that advice. This is what happens in verse 15. This is the outcome. So the king, that's Rehoboam, did not listen to the people in their request to make it lighter for them. For this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam. You remember him? Jeroboam? Jeroboam was the guy that I told you about. He was kind of a lay leader in the northern kingdom when Rehoboam took over. A lot of people thought that Jeroboam was going to take over the whole nation because he had earned the right, but he wasn't born to the right parents. And so Jeroboam was supposed to take on over. That's what the people thought. And then Rehoboam comes over and he takes it. Well, Jeroboam started, started stirring up this rebellion. So Solomon got him Got him out of there, exiled to Egypt. He left, but he didn't really leave. And now he's, he's back. Church, what happened in the story is that after Rehoboam came up and told the people about his decision, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. He whipped you with whips. I'm going to whip you with whips, with nails tied onto the end of it. That's how hard it's going to be for you. And the people said, no, we're not having it. Jeroboam, is he around here somewhere? Jeroboam, are you there? Jeroboam says, I'm here. I'm right here, and I am ready to lead. And the northern kingdom, the tribes in the north said from that moment on, you're our guy, you're our king. Rehoboam lost 10 tribes of Israel that day. It broke up, never to be reunited. That's what happened to ancient Israel because of the advice that Rehoboam did not take. You get the sense, don't you? 
that this was all part of God's sovereign will. All of this took place, all of this happened to fulfill the word of the Lord that was spoken to Jeroboam. Like you get the sense that God would have his way no matter what. And even today, when you've got a decision to make and every second counts and somebody offers you this advice, this insight, and you don't want to take it, remember, God will have his way, one way or another. His will will be done. And so I'm just going to ask, why not, since his will will be done in the end anyway, why not join with his sovereign will in the first place and spare yourself so much hurt and harm in the meantime? Why not join him in the cause early because his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Think about it this way. Think about it, the fact that, that evil threw everything it could at the Son of God when Jesus came from heaven to earth. And it even cost Jesus his life in the end. But God's sovereign will, will be done no matter what. And three days later, he rose from the dead and conquered sin and conquered death and conquered evil once and for all. His will, will be done. Church, join him early. And if you still need to know what that good wisdom is that you're getting, there's another clue, a final clue. Remember, nine times the word serve or service or servant is used in just the first eight verses of the story that I just shared with you. It's like the people, they had no way of knowing it, but the people were saying, listen, we want, we want a, a king who doesn't lead from on high. We don't want a king who leads from a place of luxury. We don't want to, we don't want to follow a king who leads by putting us down, we want a king who leads by serving. A king who leads as a servant king, as a servant leader. They had no way of knowing that, that the whole story of God would be put together just exactly like this, like it was. And I love it that God is telling the story this way. Because God is saying, that's the king that you're going to get someday. That's the king that I'm going to give you. A king who leads as a servant, who would give his life as a ransom for you. And it's like when you spot that in the advice, when you spot that, the kind of advice that points to Jesus. And so that's the kind of advice that sounds and looks like Jesus sounded, like Jesus looked. That's the wisdom you want to take. And the change will not just be for you, but for your children and their children and their children. And the Bible tells us for a thousand generations. Amen. Find somebody this week with the kind of Christly wisdom to offer and draw near to them. Take one step and offer bit of the questions that you're asking and say, what do you think about this? Ask, borrow wisdom from one other person this week and just test it. Test out God's faithfulness in your life and it'll never be the same.
Let's pray together. Our gracious God, you have given us tools and strategies. You have given us wisdom to live our lives by. But God, you have also given us so much more than all that. For as well as we could possibly lead our lives today, what matters infinitely more is what happens on into eternity. And so, Jesus, we ask for advice. We borrow the wisdom of other people. But, God, may we never forget where this wisdom comes from. It comes from your generous throne, your deep knowledge applied and offered to us. God, may our lives and may our generations never be the same.
Church, when you have a decision to make in every moment counts. Borrow the Christly wisdom of people around you who have earned the right to give it and are objective in giving it. And your life and your eternity will never be the same. Hear this blessing from God from Numbers chapter 6 that we just sang about one more time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace for a thousand generations. We'll see you next week for the beginning of our brand new series, Christmas Comes Close.